Thank the Lord for the beautiful uh, music uh, today, the worship time. We're going to take a moment right now as a church family to pause and have a special prayer. And uh, that special prayer will be one for one of our members uh, who's here on a very regular basis and less providentially hindered, and that is Carl Jernigan. And uh, Carl went in for a heart catheterization on Thursday, and, uh, you know, it's been my experience about 90% of the people that, if I happen to be there with them, uh, it'll be nothing or, uh, you know, there'll be some stents put in, but uh, with Carl, as it happens with some people, and uh, even some in our congregation in the past as well, uh, there was like over 80% blockage, I guess, in three of the main arteries. So there will be, there will be a triple bypass tomorrow. So uh, as a church family, we just want to pause right now, and we want to pray for our brother, for God's healing touch, and uh, just uh, his ministry to take place tomorrow. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, you're sovereign, you're on your throne. And Father, I'm thankful for the knowledge that you gave and the understanding you gave for this issue to be detected, Lord. We're thankful that Carl has testified of your salvation in his life and your grace in his life. He's your child. He's in the palm of your hand. Father, we just pray for your healing touch on his body. Father, nothing is impossible with you. You're the great healer, the great physician, and we acknowledge that. Father, I pray for your guidance for the doctors and nurses and anesthesiologists and, Father, anyone who assists in any way tomorrow throughout this procedure, that you will guide them and that you will be honored and glorified. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. If you're visiting with us today, we have been going verse by verse uh, for a few months, actually, through the book of Philippians. And we're almost to the end, but we're not quite there. Not quite there. So maybe a couple more Sundays, we'll see, give or take. But uh, we find ourselves today again in Philippians chapter 4. Uh, we gave the first part of, of the sermon last week on contentment. We'll finish up with one final point, And uh, then we'll go uh, to a verse, uh, which is a very, very common verse. And that is Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So if you have your Bible today, or hopefully be able to see it on the screen, if, if you do not, uh, please turn to Philippians chapter 4, and I'm going to pick up with verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. May God again bless His inerrant and His infallible Word. Paul, who remember, actually wrote these words or gave these words in the midst of a Roman prison cell. Not a pleasant circumstance at all. In fact, uh, this same great apostle had been shipwrecked, uh, you know, uh, more more than once. Uh, uh, he again had been 
literally persecuted time and time again to the point of physical death for his faith in Jesus Christ. He'd suffered for the cause of Jesus. He'd laid down his life for the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. So so it should be a good testimony to us that the Apostle Paul would say, I've learned how to have a lot and I've learned how to have nothing, but this is the key I've learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. And the word content, as we mentioned last week, that means independent of circumstances. A lot of us would like to see circumstances changed in our life from time to time, wouldn't we? We ask ask ourselves these kinds of questions. If only I could do this, then. If only I could have that, then. Something would happen. If only this relationship was different, then. If only I had this relationship, then. Something else might happen. So so we ask those questions because, again, we think, well, if this would change or, or that would change, most certainly my life would be completely different. Paul says this, I've learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. If you were here last week, I gave uh, two or three of the points, a couple of points from Tony Marita, whom, whom I know personally. And, and he reminded us, Tony reminded us that contentment is unconnected to our circumstances. We need to learn to, have circ- uh, to be content in Christ, and that contentment is not dependent upon our circumstances. He mentioned uh, as well, as the scripture indicates, that contentment is learned. In other words, quite frankly, many of us from time to time need to have an attitude readjustment. You know, most of us that have been married, you know, we go back and forth with our spouses from time to time, right? I mean, more times than not, I'll be honest with you, I probably have more of a bad attitude than Betty does. My attitude's probably worse than hers. I give her credit for that uh, there. So I've learned sometimes I've got to have an attitude readjustment. Now, I know there's no one else in here that would raise their hand, whether you're single or whether you're married, it really doesn't matter here, but you probably would not raise your hand, would you, and say you have to have an attitude readjustment. But I think most of us have to from time to time, don't we? We, we, we need our attitude to be readjusted. We, we, we definitely do. Well, Paul is saying here, I've, I've learned in, in whatever state I'm in to be content. No, wh- wh- whatever situation or circumstance is occurring in life, he says, I have learned to be content. Well, the final point has to do with contentment and a key to contentment, and that is godliness. Godliness. For the scripture says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, in fact in verse 6, God's word declares, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. In other words, it's a a good thing to have have that right attitude. We need to have it. But but, but as, as again, our attitude is becoming more the attitude of Christ. Because remember earlier, and this has been a few months ago, earlier in Philippians chapter 2, the scripture actually says this, let this attitude or let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And it talks about the fact there that Jesus Christ was the greatest servant that the world has ever known. 
And he evidenced his servant, his servanthood by laying down his life as a sacrifice for our sins. That was the supreme act of service. The greatest act of service that the world has ever seen was when Jesus Christ laid down his life for our sins. But it's interesting also uh, there in Philippians chapter 2 for, for the word declares, looking out not only for your own interest, but also for the interest of others. In other words, look out for other people's interests. Don't just be looking out for number one. And as we look out for other people's interests, we grow in our relationship with Christ. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And the scripture there in 1 Timothy chapter 6 goes on, and it tells us some very good practical truths that we need to apply to our lives. For it says in verse 7, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. What did you bring in this world? Let me tell you this. It's not anything you own now, is it? You didn't bring anything into this world. And let me say this. When we leave this world, I don't care if you're the richest person on the face of this earth. You're not taking any of it with you. You're not. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and to many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now let me make it very clear, as I mentioned last week. Money here, we didn't even get into money that much last week, but money is not evil. The love of money, though, can be. In fact, the love of money has destroyed many, many people. Greediness has destroyed many, many people. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, I mentioned last week, and I want to reinforce this, particularly for those who may not have been with us last week. It's very clear in Scripture that God gives talents. God gives spiritual gifts to believers. And I have, I have given illustrations before in this church, in my, in my estimation, of course, uh, for one who has lived in North Carolina for many, many years, I'm going to always, when I rank the basketball players of all time, I'm going to always put Michael Jordan number one on the list. You may not like that. You may disagree with it. You may say, well, he never played against LeBron James, and he never played against uh, Walt Chamberlain, and, you know, all these different eras, you know, and you, you may compare and contrast there. I'm going to put Michael Jordan number one on my list. As far as I know still, Michael Jordan does not know the Lord Jesus but it was God who gave him the ability. Now, now, did he practice? You better believe it. Did he work extremely hard, maybe harder than so many other people? Yes, I believe he did. And see, God, God gives us things, and, and quite frankly, it's like some of the parables and the illustrations again. God expects us to do our best to honor and glorify him. There's nothing wrong as long as you do it in the Lord to want to better yourself. You know, to, to work toward a certain job if it's the Lord's will. 
even to go to another house if it's the Lord's will. Whatever the case or situation not, may be, as long as it is the Lord's will, that's fine. That's fine. We need to work in the Lord to improve our lives, right? In the Lord, we need to do that. Not in our own flesh, but to give God the glory for it. Amen? Let me tell you this. Anything any of us will ever do or accomplish in this life, it is only because of the love and grace of the Almighty God. It's only because of Him. Because let me tell you this, if you work hard, you only can work hard because He's given you the strength to work hard. All right? He's given you the ability to do that. God has done that. And so many times we want to take credit for things in our lives other than giving Him say, God, it's you. And remember again what the Scripture says, even speaking in a spiritual sense, apart from Him we can do nothing apart from Him. Let's give God glory for things happening and occurring in our lives and other people's lives as well. So godliness with contentment is great gain. And we come to that verse. That verse in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's interesting because a lot of people, as they think about this verse, see this verse as being one of the most misapplied or misinterpreted verses in Scripture. In fact, I've even borrowed it's on the first, uh, first row of chairs here. I actually have a little book here, which, uh, you know, has about, I don't know, 15 to 18 of these kind of verses in Scripture. Some of the most misinterpreted verses in Scripture. And I'm not going to go into all of those, but, but let me say this. This one, Philippians 4.13, is on the list. Let me, let me sort of give an illustration or paint a scenario here of how at times uh, this verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, how it might be misinterpreted or, or, or again, people get out on the edge with this particular verse, uh, so to speak. Let's think about this. You know, in any community, particularly as we talk about sports and activities, uh, there could be rivalries, Right? One team thinking, uh, you know, their school or their team is better than others. Well, let's not even use uh, any of these college examples, which, of course, we could. You would have your favorite team. I probably would have mine. Let's just say, uh, and I could have picked any of the two, the, 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 the schools in Harnett County out for this, but let's just pick, I'll say, I will pick Harnett Central and Western Harnett. Harnett Central and Western Harnett. Let's imagine for purposes of this illustration... It could either be two godly young men or two godly young women. Illustration will work for either of those. They both come, both, both of these either young men or young women have come to faith in Christ. Both, both of them have been, have been a faithful part of Pleasant Union Church. They seek the Lord. They have their devotional time every day. No, they're not perfect, but, but, but they want to please the Lord. They do well in the classroom, but they love basketball. In fact, they work and they practice 
very, very hard. It just so happens that one of these young men and then, or one of these young women, one is on uh, Western Hornets team, the other one is at Hornets Central. And, 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 co and coming up in the context of the ministry at Pleasant Union, they have memorized this verse. In fact, this is one of their favorite verses. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's always one of my favorite verses too, amen. I hope it's one of yours. I'm not taking anything away from that today, but let's just go through this illustration. So they work hard. And you know, there's pride in, in saying, you know, you're the best team in the area. Finally, these two teams meet. It just so happens these two young people are the stars of each of their respective teams. And as these young men or these young women are going up and down the court, they can say and pray, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Each of them on opposite teams are saying that. Yes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know what's going to happen at the end of the game, don't you? How many which of the teams are going to win? We won't ask that. But there's only going to be how many teams that will win? One team will win. One will lose. But both of them have been praying. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So what? does God want to teach us through this verse? God wants to teach us several things, I believe. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What are those all things? Those are things consistent with His Word and His will. Right? Through His Word and His will. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, this verse is not given us to just say, I can name it and claim it, in six months I can become a multimillionaire because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No. I'm afraid I might find out in six months I'm worse off than I am now, right? I might find that out if I begin praying. So that's not what God is wanting to teach us. Remember this about Scripture. Scripture always has and is placed in the context. The context of I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is actually in the context of contentment. Contentment. We can only, we can only learn contentment because it talks about learning it. We can only learn contentment through what? Christ who strengthens us to be able to do that. We can only learn contentment through Christ. I had the privilege to visit with Brother Carl Jernigan uh, again yesterday. And Carl asked me, he said, what are you going to preach on tomorrow? And I said, well, we're coming down before it's over to Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But I said, Carl, as we preach and as we look at this verse, the emphasis is not on I. The emphasis is on God. Carl agreed with me. The emphasis is not on I. 
I needs to get out of the way. <laughs> right? I needs to get out of the way. And God needs to be the center. I can do all things through God who strengthens me, through Christ who strengthens me, through the strength and the ministry of the Holy Spirit which strengthens us as believers. Yes. God provides the strength. God provides the strength. And, and how, how does God provide the strength? Well, first of all, it comes out of a relationship with Him. You're not going to have the strength of God uh, through Christ without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There is no other way. John 10.10 says, The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. That strength is in the Lord. It's in our relationship with Him. But it's also through someone that most certainly we overlook the ministry of from time to time, and that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I want us to turn to Ephesians chapter 3 and, and let us see and look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Beginning with Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. And this is Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened to be strengthened, it says, with might, might through His Spirit in the inner man. In other words, God has given us strength, and it says God is strengthening us spiritually within ourselves. God is given strength. God is given strength. I'm using Brother Carl's illustration several times because we've discussed this and we, we discussed it as well, you know. And he, he indicated this to many, uh, probably to several of you here as well. He just hasn't had much strength in the last few weeks and months. Now we know why. There was a blockage there. That's why he didn't have strength. That's in the physical area. Well, let me say this. In the spiritual area, we need strength as well. And there is a God, the only true God, who sent His only Son so that each of us could have heart surgery. I've had spiritual heart surgery, have you? I've had spiritual heart surgery. Because I tell you what, my heart needed to be operated on. In men's discipleship this morning, our topic was sin. <laughs> Made jokes starting out, of course. Uh, why, why do we look at why are we studying sin? We know why we're studying sin because we're sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus Christ performed heart surgery on me. He did. He did that through the cross. My sins were there at the cross. My sins were on Jesus Christ. He took the penalty of my sins when He went to that cross. He shed His blood so that I could have freedom from sin. I could have forgiveness of sin. He did that for me on the cross. He rose from the grave. 
And now my faith and trust is in Him. I've had heart surgery. And I have a new heart now, spiritually speaking. I'm clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ because of what He did for me. So the emphasis is not going to be on I can do all things. And just on I, it is through Christ who strengthens me. Who strengthens me. There is, interestingly enough, an Old Testament illustration of how God strengthened a prophet. The prophet was a man by the name of Jeremiah. Many of you think you have been very low in life, and you probably have. Listen to what Jeremiah was actually saying in Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 10. For he declared this, Woe is me, my mother, that you have borne me, a man of strife and a man of contention to the whole earth. I have neither lent for interest, nor have men lent to me for interest. Every one of them curses me. And he goes on down and he continues on. I mean, I mean what, uh, what, what is Jeremiah saying? Jeremiah is down to such a point. He is so low that in essence he's declaring, it would be, have been better had I never been born. That's what, that's what Jeremiah is declaring. And he goes on down and it doesn't get any better for many verses. Uh, there in Jeremiah chapter 15. But before this is over, there's some interesting things that happen. I pick up with verse 16 of Jeremiah 15. Your words were found and I ate them. Your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name. What happens? There, there, there begins to be a turning again. Uh, there begins to be repentance again on, on Jeremiah's part. And Jeremiah again gets the focus of off, him, off himself and he puts the focus on God and he begins to talk and to declare the goodness of God. That's what he's doing. And he's talking about the Word of God. You know, I just it's like I ate him. Well, let, me, let me tell you this. The Word of God can strengthen us. When we're down, when we're going through difficult times, the Word of God can provide strength in our heart and our lives. We're thankful, I'm thankful for that, aren't you? You know, after repentance of Jeremiah, we go down to verse 20 and 21. You see restoration, and I will make you to this people a fortified bronze wall, and they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you to save you, and I deliver you, and deliver you, says the Lord. Look at that. God saying, I deliver him. I deliver my child. I deliver my prophet. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My prayer today is that I will not look to myself for strength. I'm going to look to the one who paid his price for me, for my salvation. I'm going to look to him for my strength. I'm going to look to him. I'm going to look to him. Could it be in this place today 
You could be sitting in one of these fine, I hope, comfortable chairs, and they're comfortable to me. Maybe not to you, but the other man. And you know deep down in your heart, something's missing. Something's missing. There's conflict, there's confusion in your heart. If you died this day, you would not know where you would spend eternity. And let me say this, you're going to spend eternity in one of two places, and one is not a good place. You're eternally separated from a loving God. The scripture uses the word hell. And that's a word, sadly, that has been, not that we just want to say that word, that has been removed from many people's vocabularies, and quite frankly, from certain churches. Or through a relationship with Jesus Christ, you could be with him in heaven forever and forever and forever. But it's not just what's happening in the future, my friends. Let me tell you this. He's come that you can have a meaningful life right now. He's come to bring you strength right now. And he wants to give that to you right now. First and foremost, if you do not know Jesus, I'll be down front. I'd love to pray with you. Come to Jesus in faith today. Could it be as well that there's someone out there, maybe you don't want to come forward, maybe you can just make that decision if, if, if you feel so left right where you're seated. But you say, God, I want to be able to declare that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say, Jesus, I need your strength. I'm going through difficult times. I need your strength. The strength that only you can provide. I can't muster it up anymore, God. I know I can't do it. But God, you can. Let me tell you this. He has open arms for you today. He has loving arms extended to you today. Come to the one today who paid the price for you. Come to Christ today. Let's stand for this time of invitation. You respond as the Holy Spirit touches your heart.